0: Hi, I'm Kim Giddens. I love goals and helping people reach them. I spent over 20 years driving close to $2 billion in revenue for American retail brands. I tracked goals hourly and sometimes minutely, giving me high touch experience with bringing hundreds and thousands of individuals together to reach big goals. Goals done well provide hope, aspiration, and structure to your everyday and build strength and confidence that is sustainable and stackable. Today, I'm an executive coach, and my expertise is tapping individual motivation to drive the best results. The starting point is always the goal, but it's also the hardest point, which is why I created this podcast, Goal Boldly, a workshop-style discussion on goal-setting and goal-getting. Join me every week for inspiration, tactical advice, and listen in on real coaching sessions reaching real, bold goals. In this episode, we're going to start talking about startups. Startups are the essence of Goal Boldly. A startup is essentially a great idea or a goal. And then, of course, there's a great plan to go along with it. In this episode, I'm going to talk about what is a startup and what is a unicorn. I'll talk about the failure rate and share the success framework that successful startups use. I'll also talk about the attributes of a founder, And most importantly, we'll talk about how to scale and when you know you need to scale. Let's start up and scale. So what is a startup? A startup is a company in the first stages of its growth, operational growth. The last two decades has seen extraordinary growth of startups in China, US, India, and also the UK. There are 600 unicorns noted right now, and a unicorn is defined as a company with a billion-dollar valuation. The US has 50% of the unicorns, and China has 25%. And India and the UK always are vying back and forth for the third position. Why is this important? It's important because startups attract a lot of employees, and largely, These employees are so energized by the idea of future wealth or whatever the mission is of the company, a lot of times these employees are working for less or no money. This is a large employee base that we're talking about who is essentially taking a risk on a company. The other reason is for the gross national product, which is our economy. The failure rate of startups is quite high. Nine out of 10 startups don't make it. 20% fall apart within one year, 30% after two years, 50% after five years, and 70% after 10 years. That means 30% of all startups don't sustain. The primary reason for failure is product doesn't meet the market. But I'm going to tell you what that really means. It means that the leadership didn't understand the product or didn't understand the market. I'm going to talk a little bit about the success framework of a startup and how these ideas start and why is it a unique process versus other companies. Obviously, because as a startup, we're talking about it is the start of a company and the first stages of its operation. The success framework aligns pretty closely to our goal setting framework that we talk about on Goal Boldly. You have an idea. Starts with an idea, which is your goal. And it's generally aligned to some sort of problem. I read a quote somewhere that uh, startups are started either by inspiration or perspiration. So it's either an inspiration based on personal interest or something that somebody needs in the market, or based on perspiration, meaning they've worked really hard and figured out a lot of problems somewhere and want to try it their own way. I've seen both. And It it doesn't matter where it comes from. So you've got your idea. Then you need to validate the idea. Is this actually a problem? Is there a need for the idea? It's not just about belief and blind faith. A lot of times, I think, the buzz around startups tends to lean a little bit on that story, when in reality, it's about, is there a possibility for this? And is there a problem? So that's where they start to really research. And the research is twofold. The research is with real people and a lot of Google. But that's what's unique about, the, uh, about a startup, is that the real data that's gathered from real people. Because startups by nature are looking to define something that uh, a customer needs and will pay a premium price for, in addition to a lot of people paying a premium price for, which is the whole objective of a startup is generally to impact the world and also their wallet, everyone's wallet for that matter. And that's why we love them so much because it's, it's a lot of money that they drive. After they've researched the customer and gotten some data to, to fuel that, they define the customer. So we're still in the customer, folks. They define a razor thin profile of a customer. So again, this isn't about blind faith and just hope we're going to throw this to the market and we'll go viral because people thought it was funny. This is actually uh, real data that they're using, and in fact, at this point, have some users. Then they define the product, and the product always has a roadmap. So there's an initial stage, just like startups, and there is stages as they go, because founders know that the product will continue to evolve with the customer. Once they have their product map, they'd start to validate again. Test, trial, feedback, refine, repeat. Test, trial, feedback, refine, repeat. This happens over and over again. And while they're doing it, they're getting better every time. And they're growing bigger. And they're adding more customers to their base. And that's where a lot of the money comes in. So they're generally getting funding around this point that they have validated the sale and starting to get further evidence, testimonials, but real users, real users of their product, which then attracts investors, which then leads to the billion dollar valuation for just the several few. So why do so many fail? That is the question, right? We have a success framework. You could just follow this. In my research, based on the customer and Google, I deal hands-on with founders, people with strong entrepreneurial leadership. I recognize there are three traits I generally see in founders. Highly self-directed. So we can call this willpower. We can call this self-discipline. You can call it whatever you want, but these people have a tendency to be highly self-directed. They're also highly engaged with learning, learning new things. New energizes them. This is where that tendency to be able to live with ambiguity or identify something that isn't already made yet That's where that learning comes in. That energizes them, where in some people, that if it's not proven, it's scary. These founders have a tendency to feel very comfortable with ambiguity. The third attribute is that they are motivated by impact. Impact always involves somebody else. So either it's a world impact, um, it's the money impact, uh, it's impact of people. The motivation is obviously unique to the individual, but the impact is what the common denominator is. So again, why do they fail? If you don't scale yourself, then you will never scale your startup. You need to disrupt yourself in the same way that you disrupted the market that you broke. Essentially, you need to reinvent yourselves. There's a term in writing called kill your babies, And that essentially means that as you're writing, the actual process of writing is part of the book and what comes out. Through the process of writing, you generally find either characters that you love or words that you love or sentences that you love. Whatever the case may be, you may be personally attached to that element of the story. But when you get feedback, it maybe doesn't flow with the story. This is true in business. You need to be able to drop some of the characteristics or thinking or assumptions that you've believed all along. Even if they've made you successful to this point, you need to challenge your assumptions. That is very hard. But it is also, if you look at some of the very successful startups, it's what's called first principle thinking. And several of these startups, the very successful ones, the most successful ones, do use this first principle thinking. Which, in fact, is not a startup thinking. It's actually very, very old from Greek philosoph- started with Greek philosophers. I'll be sharing more about that in another episode. But for the sake of this episode, I want to make sure that we get that concept. So, what do you do to kill your babies or essentially disrupt yourself so that you can scale? Because at this point, let's face it, the stakes are much higher when you've got employees working for you or you're working for investors because if you do have investors, you're actually working for someone else. So first thing you need to do is align yourself to the product, mission, or motive. What it is right now, do you still believe in it? Are you still aligned? What is your motivation here? And this isn't an easy answer. Because a lot of times, the stage where you do need to scale, fatigue is setting in, and you have worked so many hours, potentially have a family at this point. All different dynamics are contributing at this point. And so that's why it's super important to really align with with your motives and with the product, just as if it were a new idea. So as you're looking at the problem orientation, one of the things I want to bring you back to is the attributes of a founder. Again, highly self-directed, energized by learning, motivated by impact. All of that suggests people, the impact on people. The thing about the attributes of a founder is that they're pretty distinctive. And part of the reason that you were able to attract employees, which is what we talked about in the beginning, and that blind faith that people had and followed you along with your mission, It actually makes them followers, not founders. And that's an important distinction. It doesn't mean that they can't be founders. They certainly can. But no one will ever be the founder of your company. It is a trend over the last couple of years where you're seeing multiple founders running companies versus just one. And so by nature, it may look like everyone around us is founders and you want that same excitement. You can still instill ownership in people and energize people and lead people and not have them be founders. And that's called creating accountability. Again, we will go deeper into that topic, but for the, for the exercise right now, understanding that what makes you distinct as a founder is what makes you distinct as a founder and not everyone can be is going to be thinking the same way that you are. And so oftentimes what we're great at, we think is point of entry and we think, "Well, I just I figured this out or I did this all on my own, and why can't everyone else?" And that's simply going back to the self-awareness and really understand, what are you truly great at? Which leads us into the next stage of really taking a deep dive, understanding what you're great great at. Remember that exercise that we talked through in terms of getting the right product out to the right customer? Same exercise, really understanding yourself and going inward about yourself and what makes you distinct and this company distinct and your culture distinct. This is not an easy challenge. It's a lifelong challenge called leadership. It's a leadership journey and the leadership development for a startup, is very different than leadership development in general. And so this podcast will continue to gear more towards that leadership philosophy and how do we all follow that philosophy so that we can make a great impact in the world. As you start to understand what you're great at, it becomes easier to see what other people are great at. And as you understand your own limitations, it becomes easier to see what other people are great at. I know you probably thought I was going to say what other people are bad at. In general, it's pretty easy to see what people are bad at, especially if you're a leader. Ultimately, it's probably pretty obvious what your people are bad at. But as you really identify the distinctions for yourself, what are you good at? What are you not so good at? You will start to see what other people are great at and where you can really lean in on those people. And that, my friends, again, is leadership. And that is what's going to scale your business. Because people are far more motivated by doing what they love to do. they're far more energized, they work harder, they're more engaged and they stay longer. So it's in your best interest. My suggestions for that is ultimately to get a coach. As a founder, you're a leader of a company and there are certain stages where as from a leadership perspective where you will not, Hear the truth as much as you would like. And again, that comes with with followers. And they're just trying to either adapt to your style, or tell you what you want to hear. And so the best way for you to really understand yourself is to have a thought partner. And I think if you do have other founders, Um, working with you, or a mastermind group of founders, whatever the case may be, you do need to start aligning with people who have some objectivity and who can really tell you the truth. All of these things will help you to preserve your energy, and energy is the same thing as motivation. That energy and that work ethic and the drive that you had to get the company to where it is, you can tap that energy again but not in the same way that you did bringing the company to where it is now. Aligning with your strengths, understanding your motivation, that is how you will be your most energized and your best self. It is the same way that your people will be able to do the same thing. This is not an easy journey. Founding a business, leading a business, leading lots of people, managing lots of money, making world impact, this is not easy but it's really awesome and really rewarding and so important that you're able to scale yourself so you can scale your business. Because let's face it, those of you out there who have started a business and did it in the right way, we need more of you out there. There is no reason we can't double 600 unicorns. There is no reason that there aren't enough ideas out there to make more great companies. That will single-handedly change the world, the world economy, and the world's workplace. I think you're up for the challenge. I'm really excited about the direction this podcast is going. There are many things that I mentioned throughout the episode that we'll be diving deeper in in the coming weeks. We talked a little bit about series funding and getting funding for your startup. We talked about first principle thinking. We talked about startup leadership development and how that is different than traditional leadership development. I'm very passionate about these things and really passionate um, about the podcast and looking forward to hearing any of your comments, thoughts, feedback. You can reach me at personology.com, P-E-R-S-O-N-O-L-O-G-I-E.com. Look forward to seeing you next week.